0: Hello and welcome to this week's special Double Tap episode. We've had some unusual and headline-grabbing transfer windows in the past couple of decades. Uh, We've had Klopp bringing in Stephen Corker at Liverpool from QPR in a January transfer window in 2016. Even went as far to play him up front. We've had Edgar Davids becoming player manager of League 2 Barnet in 2012. And of course, uh, most recently, we've had COVID causing major disruption in 2020. In a summer that a lot of people, including ourselves, believed would revolve around Mbappe's infamous letter to PSG, 2023 summer transfer window is actually becoming more intriguing, not necessarily because of the level of player being bought and sold, but because of their destination. In 2021, Mike Ashley finally extinguished his grip on Newcastle and the Magpies were set free. Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, or PIF, bought Newcastle for around £305 million and began to spend big. They did the unthinkable last season and achieved Champions League qualification. And this summer, they've been linked with some huge sign-ins, such as Federico Chiesa, Moussa Diabe, and most notably, and most recently, Harvey Barnes. They've splashed around £55 already on Sandra Tonale, and they have a lot of the bigger clubs of the Premier League concerned, and they're certainly starting to take note of Newcastle. In the same vein, a lot of people are becoming confused about the Saudi Pro League beginning to make waves in this transfer window. Gary Neville has recently spoken up about the uncertainties of the high profile transfers to the Saudi Pro League, even going as far as to say that an embargo should be placed to ensure the integrity of the sport. But why is all this happening? Is Cristiano Ronaldo a trailblazer into the new greatest league in the world? Is European football about to be pushed back? We are Tapping Up felt it worthwhile to do a deep dive into the matter and look at whether Saudi Arabia is set to become the next big footballing superpower or whether we're about to see a repeat of the Chinese Super League.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one really, isn't it? It's kind of come from nowhere, but um, they are balls deep. I think you could say Saudi Arabia in terms of what they're going for. So they're obviously making a move at signing some of the world's um, most desired talent Um Obviously, as you already mentioned, Cristian, Cristiano Ronaldo started this uh, at the start of 2023. Um, still can't help but feel personally he had no other option. No one in Europe wanted him, particularly after the way it finished at Man U. And he's always been a man chasing the money. But we've also got, and I know you're going to come on to this uh, shortly, Daryl, um, Benzema, another high-profile player, uh, you know, perhaps towards the end of his career, um, that uh, has moved over there. Um, and there were currently i think two have gone two may have fallen through four Chelsea players in talks with the with the saudi Saudi pro league so I mean the question is really is is what's going on where where's this come from um what's trying to happen um so doing a bit of a deep dive that um you know for this episode um from what I can gather uh Saudi Arabia are trying to expand its economy which obviously given where they are it is heavily reliant on oil and they're looking to guarantee their financial future is accompanied by diversifying obviously oil is a fossil fuel there's gonna there's a limited amount and at a certain point they're going to run out and sport is one of the main areas that they're looking to expand uh, in Saudi Arabia as um, currently 70 percent of their population is under 40. And they also see uh, sport as a way of increasing tourism to to, to the country, bringing people over, maybe visiting, going there, going to Dubai, somewhere like that, and then popping over there to watch some of these ageing footballing stars playing. Um, Football is actually hugely popular in Saudi Arabia, I'm told, Uh, anyway. And uh, uh, this one came as a real surprise to me. They were officially the, the best supported team at the Qatar World Cup. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that is the proximity of the, the Saudi Arabia to Qatar. I'm sure that had a, a big issue. And obviously, even during the, uh, the tournament, they went on to beat the eventual champions, Argentina, in the group stages. So they, they're they one of those teams. They always seem to make it to the World Cup. Never seem to do particularly well, but always seem to be there. Um, so as, as I understand it, the ultimate intention in is, is to put Saudi Arabia on the map from a, uh, a sporting perspective, and there's a very clear agenda to raise their profile because they want to host the 2030 World Cup, which, strangely, I, I, I originally thought that that was just Saudi Arabia. Uh, from my research, apparently that's a joint bid with Greece and Egypt, which I found peculiar because they're not exactly uh, countries that, again, are particularly close in terms of proximity um, I think one of the very obvious things about this is there's a lot of parallels being drawn with what they're doing with China uh, and the birth of the, the the Super League in China back in 2004. Uh, and sort of slightly later than that, um, China suddenly went crazy when they started just spending ridiculous money on bringing some of these, you know, genuine world stars over to China to try and increase the league. Uh, I remember, I mean, infamously, and he's still actually playing because I looked this up. He's been there seven years now. His Oscar uh, was signed by uh, Shanghai. I think it is from uh, from Chelsea. Uh, West Ham's Marko uh moved out there for a little stint. Um, and how that came about was in a similar way and a similar vein to this. But that was actually a mandate from the president in China that he said he wanted China to host the World Cup. He wanted them to have a better d- domestic league and a, and a better national team. So, right, this is how we're going to do it. We're going we're to spend loads of money. However, I think there was a, a government change, uh, as, as I understand it then, and, and the Communist Party in China had a, a change of heart and they didn't really appreciate how much money was flowing out of China and into Europe and foreigners in terms of the players' pockets. So they decided to put a load of different sort of strange rules in place with regards to, to the Super League and try and put a bit of a lid on it. Uh, and one of those, which was ultimately the death of, of the league, was they brought in this particularly strange transfer tax, which was that fifty percent uh, adi- an additional 50% of whatever you bought a player for had to go to the Chinese league. And I can remember there were some crazy transfers at the time. I mean, I think Hulk uh, went out there for 50 odd million, you know, and all of a sudden, if you're then saying, right, that's going to cost a hundred million, that ultimately put the, put the kibosh on it uh, and it it died a bit of a death. Um, as I say, the only two players that I can think of really, that I know famously, if you like, or, or, popular players that are still in china is oscar and uh i think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago fellaini is still out there as well um however i understand that saudi arabia is far more of a long long long-term project they're not looking to just be a bit of a flash in the pan like china and let's be honest they have a considerable amount uh more money than uh china does in in order to uh Try and sustain this and, and throw money at it. Uh, their aim, from what I've read, is to have a hundred of the world's best players playing in Saudi Arabia within the next five years. Now, I'm not quite sure when they say a hundred of the world's best if they mean the best five years ago, uh, like you, like, like your Ronaldo's, like your Benzema's, or whether they're looking to recruit you know the, the, the younger generation. Um I've got a few little bits I found here from Mohammed Hamdi, who is apparently an expert in football in the Middle East and a former director of Al Jazeera, uh, who are a football team in Dubai. Um, and I read these quotes from a, a Sky Sport article that he'd put together that he doesn't actually believe the company will, uh, the country will have any problems attracting the top talent. So his exact quotes are, they have the in- infrastructure, Uh, They have the country, they can host a World Cup. We saw that already in Qatar and it was an amazing event. This is a long-term vision where they're looking to attract TV contracts, media, sponsorship and more visitors to the country. It's not only players at a certain age or basically uh, finalising their careers. You can see that there are young players ready to take the step into the Saudi League. Um, One kind of slightly interesting... um, side angle of this relates to Chelsea. So I don't know, again, how many people know about this. uh, And this is something that's come up a a, a fair bit as part of these uh, discussions. Uh, Obviously, Chelsea have spent about 600 million in the last couple of transfer windows, and they definitely need to suddenly balance the books. Out of nowhere, you could argue that the Saudis have come along and said, right, we'll buy a load of your shit players and we'll pay a load of money. Uh, from them. And you kind of think people are looking at this as if to say that seems a little bit strange. I mean, quite clearly, it's an effort at Chelsea at balancing the books before they get man-cityed in terms of the, the financial fair play. Um But one of the slightly shady aspects, if we can call it that, is you've already referred to the PIF, that the Public Investment Fund of Saudi Arabia, who owned uh, Newcastle. Um, they have a uh, an investment in a company called Clear Lake Capital, which is a very big private equity fund who are actually the majority shareholders at Chelsea so people are kind of there's a there's a few questions there of you're not allowed to own the same two teams in the same league, so is there a little bit of a ropey undertone there that actually the major show one of the big, bigger shareholders in Chelsea are the Saudis who obviously own Newcastle. Uh, but it would also make some sense there of why Chelsea have that ability to suddenly flog and get rid of all these slightly underperforming players uh, over to uh, to Saudi Arabia as well. Um, again, this is something else that I've I've read uh, uh, from the Sky Sports News article I read. Uh, but apparently this has nothing to do with any of that. Uh, the Sovereign Wealth Fund of Saudi Arabia invests in lots of private equity funds all over the world. And Clear Lake has investments uh, from over 400 different companies. So I don't think it's quite as clear and obvious. And if they are doing something a bit shady, that they're burying that probably in the accounting. Um, And Chelsea have already come out and said that they don't see any conflict of interest whatsoever in the fact that the Saudis have this investment in the majority shareholder of them. So
0: Chelsea, who are almost
1: certainly doing
0: something that could potentially be seen as shady, have come out and said that no, we're not doing it. So, all right, I'll, I'll take your word for it then. Chelsea
1: kind of feels like when you see a uh, 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 terrible example, but do you remember there was the abduction of that girl that was hidden under the bed, and their parents are like, "We didn't do it. Shannon, we didn't do it. We don't know what's going on. It was them." so usually nothing's going on a shady can often be seen as a pure admission of guilt what's
0: the saying is it occam's razor which is the uh if there's two competing ideas explain the same thing you should always go for the more obvious one correct so, Good usage there, there like, nice, go. nice
1: little theory. There, uh, we're very posh great. on
0: this, we very posh on this this podcast. So, um, I
1: bet you googled that just before this podcast, didn't you? You didn't know that shit. <laughs> just
0: in time, yeah. Uh, well, let's have a look at the, the transfers then because you've mentioned Chelsea, and there's already been three fairly high profile transfers made by Chelsea. A few have fallen through, a few are in talks. You've got N'Gola Kante went to Al Ittihad on a free transfer, and he was one of the first big names. You've had Kabali go to Al-Hilal um, for about £17 million, and that was at the back end of June, shortly after that. Mendy, who a lot of people thought was one of the best goalkeepers in the world a couple of years ago, has gone to Al-Ali for £16 million, which seems, again, a-, a shadily low price. There was the conversation about Ziyech going to al Nasser to join Ronaldo. Unfortunately for him, as... It did in January. It fell through at the last minute, so he couldn't go to PSG in January, and this one fell through due to a failed medical. Rumours, of course, about Lukaku as well. He's been offered a deal, uh, Al Hilal, I believe, but it it looks like he wants to go back to Juventus on a a proper transfer this time rather than a a loan deal. he's come out and
1: said, hasn't he? He doesn't want to go there. He only wants to go back to Inter, is what I read. Yeah,
0: it definitely does. Um, but some of the other players that we go in and some of the other players that you've mentioned, you've got Benzema, who was the first one of this summer transfer window, went to Al Itihad on a free transfer. That's quite a big move for them. Certainly, I appreciate his age and we'll come on to talk about the, the players' ages, etc. cetera, in, in just a second. Neves, Ruben Neves, 24th of June, Wolves to Al-Hilal. It's the biggest transfer that they've made so far of any Saudi club it was about 50 million. I think Um explain this one to me then.
1: This is the outlier. There's a couple of outliers. We'll, we'll, um, again, we'll come on to them when we go further down the list, but this is the one that makes the least sense to me, if I'm honest with you, because your Benzema is, I mean, even Kante, I said to you loads of times before I'd have easily taken Kante on a free for Liverpool for a couple of years. He would have definitely done us a job. Fantastic player. I believe they offered him eighty-two million pounds a year, so I think it's pretty obvious why he went there. But uh, Neves is one of the only players that's gone so far that is actually not what you would probably call in the latter stages of their career. And world class might be a bit stretching it a little bit, but he's an absolutely fantastic Premier League midfielder. He could have had a pick of any of the top six teams in 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 uh, in the league. Barcelona, we're incredibly interested in uh, uh, for a long time. And that's the one to me that I I've, I've, I really struggle with. And I know it was the name of one of our, our previous um, podcasts, but he's clearly chosen the fortune over the fame there, only he?
0: Agreed. It, it, it was linked to Man United for quite a number of years. And I thought that's where we would have ended up. But th- this has to be a money-based transfer. That There's no other logical explanation for it in my mind.
1: But I said to you, I could see him and some of these other uh, players that are a bit there towards the end of the career, less so. I would take a bet with you now. Neves goes out there. He plays 18 months tops, makes a fortune. And then it's suddenly like, look, what the fuck am I doing playing in this shitty league in the middle of the desert? Fuck that. I want to come back. And a bit like what happened in some kind of similarities to China he'll then get sold and he'll, he'll make a point he'll have to go and someone will end up picking him up at a bargain price, 30 mil, you know, a massive reduction on what they've paid. So I, I would be shocked, personally, if he's in the league longer than 18 months.
0: I mean, you look at the others then. So we've got Steven Gerrard, who, and he's obviously not gone as a player, but he came out quite publicly, it was either Sky Sports or BT, wasn't it? And he said... Yeah, there's been rumours that a uh, Saudi Arabian club wants me. I won't be moving over there yet, or nothing is agreed yet. Uh, I'll be looking at my other options. And then a week later, he joins Al. And again, the famous uh, butchering of pronunciation at this podcast continues. Etifak?
1: I'm not even going to try. But uh, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you what I do know is I bet you if he laced up his boots, he would still be a fucking brilliant player in that league easily could be a player-manager in Saudi Arabia, I would suspect. Are
0: you being disrespectful to Saudi Arabia players, though? And again,
1: we'll come on to it, because is the
0: league going to shoot up in the standings?
1: Well, you'd hope so, with the quality of the players they're bringing in. But again, from our list, which will we'll continue at the moment, I mean, you're looking at they've bought 10, 15 really decent players. There's a lot more linked, and I think there's a lot more that will end up going through. But... um you know, across, I believe they've actually expanded the league. I can't remember what I did read, if it was something like 13 teams and they've expanded it to to 16 or 18, but you spread out even 20 fantastic players that they buy across that league. You know, that our Itiad. they've got Benzema and Kante, you know, that two amazing players. What can they do on their own if they're surrounded by Again, not professing to know much about the rest of the squad, but a rest, you know, there's not that many fantastic Saudi Arabian players. So uh, you you wonder how much difference two or three players in a whole team can make, particularly if every team has got two or three good players. Is there going to be that kind of cancelling out? Um, Al Nassir, when they got Ronaldo, seemed to be the ones that were really going for it. That was obviously, I think, you've already mentioned. Um, Zayac's, uh deal fell through for. I'm sure there's a couple of others that they were going for that that fell through. They seem to be the ones that were making the, the really big play to kind of like, let's get four or five brilliant players in our team and we should just crush the league.
0: Well, they've just signed Brozovic from Inter Milan for about 15 million. So again, n- not major money for a, a very good player. Uh, so they, they do look like they're going for it.
1: Underrated as well. Very, very good player. You know, You know, in terms of getting heavy midfield, you add him to that team as well. I mean, midfield of Brozovic uh, and Kante with Benzema banging him up front. I'll take that. It, it would be. Unfortunately, they're the wrong teams. And Kante
0: and Benzema are at Al Itihad, not at Al Nasir. He's at Ronaldo's team.
1: OK, sorry. So who, so who who else is there then? Is it just Ronaldo and him so far? Yes, or?
0: at the moment. There are some other rumours. Um, just run through the, the last two transfers that have been confirmed, just because this one's your favourite. Jota, Celtic to al Ittihad. So he's joining Kante and Benzema. £25 million.
1: I mean, fair play to Celtic and they've absolutely winced him. But um, very, very good player. Uh, again, another one you'd say would be the, the the outlier with Neves in terms of, I think he's 21-22 very very highly rated when he was coming through at uh, Benfica i can remember in that classic way that they do winger portuguese was the next ronaldo seemed to drop off uh, the radar a little bit ended up at celtic and has been and been tearing it up um and again another one that must be based on money as opposed to prestige but he again he might i think he is probably is the youngest of all these players uh, that have gone because uh, Neves might be what twenty six, twenty seven, whereas as I say I'm pretty sure Jot is like twenty one, twenty two. So I mean, all all fair play to Celtic. I'm sure that's their record sale. They're you know they've done well, and I'm sure they'll be able to get a, a, a replacement in uh, a, a fraction of that price. But another strange one for me. And then with a
0: tear in your eye, as I say it. Firminia has gone and joined uh, Mendy. It'll be Mendy's team at Al-Ali on a free transfer.
1: Disappointed again in this one, if I'm honest with you, because I still feel Bobby could have had a couple of years at a better team. I still think he could have done something in... I I, I suspected he might go back to Germany uh, and, and, and do something there. Uh, again, only 31 or 32, so not at the the full end of his career, but um, 100% for the money but again um, lifestyle maybe all the rest of it but again what he did for us we ran through the, the stats I think in the last episode I can't hold anything against Bobby he can do what he wants.
0: There are some more that are rumoured at this point in time nothing confirmed on these these are all what you see in you know the mirror the telegraph Guardian etc you've got Neymar is apparently in talks with Al Hilal. I don't think he'll go there personally. I think he'll end up somewhere else in Europe. Bernardo Silva, which would be a, a very high profile signing for Al Hilal again. I could see that United. one, you know. I could see that in,
1: one. That one, and I read that they'd offered him 800 grand a week. But that one, I think for some reason, he seems to slightly have fallen out of favor with City. No idea why, given what a quality player he is. But that one, I definitely could see. And again, if you add him to that Al Halal, uh, you know, with, with uh and, and the other players they've signed, that they'd be building a pretty decent team. Yeah, it's Neves' team as well. So that'd be an
0: interesting link-up. Uh, Sol, uh, Atletico Madrid, uh, rumoured to go to Al Nasser. Zaha is the same. Uh, Palace to Al Nasser. But again, I think he's got like four other contracts on the table at the moment. He seems to be shopping around. And then... The old favourite, Gianluigi Buffon. The goalkeeper is currently at Parma. Everyone knows who he is. Rumoured to be going to an unnamed club because it's come out of uh, the Italian press. Never say the name. of think it's like Corriere de Sport have said... Corriere in- de la Sport. That's the one. That's the one. There are a few that have been... Rejected or have fallen through, some players sticking to their morals, so to speak, some players just very unlucky. Ziyech, we've already mentioned his transfer to al Nasser had fallen through due to a failed medical. Messi, of course, was one that Al-Hilal tried to quite publicly make happen. He hasn't gone there. He's gone to Inter Milan and joined the MLS. Lukaku has said very publicly he doesn't want to join, as we've said, a Saudi club and he wants to go back to Inter. Mourinho was one that they were trying to coax to join Al Ali. Isn't happening. He said that he's going to be staying for another year, at least at Roma. Young ming Son, again, quite publicly rejected the move to al Ittihad. He'll be staying at Spurs. Luka Modric won't be going. He's staying at Madrid. Jamie Vardy, I, I quite like that one, to Al-Khalij. Uh, that's not happening at all. And then Pedro, which was is currently at Flamengo, to Al-Hilal, and he's not interested in the move either.
1: The only one I will say on that that I thought was quite funny and probably slightly disrespectful, even though the amount of money he was getting, and by all means correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think the team that were trying to get Vardy weren't they in the second division? Yeah, yeah. So they're they not. They're not even in the Premier League. So it's like drop down a division. We'll pay you a load of money. I mean, just imagine Jamie Vardy playing in the second tier of Saudi Arabia. Just be crazy.
0: I think that's why he rejected it. I get the feeling that if a first or a, a pro league uh, team had to come in for Vardy, offered him the silly money. I think he would have been quite tempted to take it because you're playing with your Ronaldo's, you're playing with your Benzema's and et cetera, et cetera. But I agree. I feel like it's essentially asking him to go and play in um, League 2 around that sort of standard, even if it is for a significant amount of money. I don't think Vardy is that. He's I not think financial very issues, generous
1: to say that the Saudi second division is like League 2. I would say that's like the fourth tier of the conference, <laughs> I would hazard a guess. But um yeah. Uh, that that was the only one that kind of I thought a bit weird because I, I agree with you. I think if one of the the bigger teams or at least the teams in the in in the the first division had gone in for him and offered him silly money, well, we know he's on 160 grand a week at Leicester, so it's not like he needs the money. Um, Leicester but, trying to push him
0: out at door as well.
1: i oh got you, you take it, Jamie. Lad. Take go that on. 300 grand to go and play in the second division in Saudi Arabia in front of 20 fans. But um, yeah, that I, I, that one did make me smile when I saw that it wasn't even a. Uh, uh, a, a first division team trying to sign him. Three questions, then, just to round
0: off this episode. First question: Is this a good thing for sport or not?
1: No, if you ask me, um, it is. Uh, I mean, we've always known money has a huge part in sport. It it would be naive and ridiculous to pretend it doesn't. But I don't like this kind of didn't didn't really like it with China. I felt it was a, a strange thing to happen. Um, I get it for the players at the end of their career. I'm not going to argue with that. I, I think if I was in their position, um, you know, you, you put yourself in your own shoes. Ian, do you want to come and work at a way shit, a firm, and we'll give you 10 times your wage uh, as I got to 55? Yeah, okay, I'll do that. No worries. Um, so it, it it makes a lot of sense. But from a sporting perspective, it for me it depends on how it goes. If it, if it, if they're going to continue to take the aging players where they're, you know, perhaps at the end of their careers, they don't have a move, they want to take the money, I could live with that. If it becomes more of a, you know, a Neves, a jot as they start taking genuinely decent players of a younger age and putting them in there rather than than European teams, then that would be a bit of a worry for me. And I think it would be a a sad state of of affairs really for football that these players are just clearly choosing a shitload of money rather than wanting to test themselves against the best in the big five leagues in Europe.
0: Well, for me, from what I can see from what we've talked about, from what we've researched, Saudi Arabia believes that it can tempt enough of these players that we're discussing to generate high quality football, to attract the big broadcast deals, possibly get BT Sport or TNT Sports, sorry, and get Sky Sports involved and then make that Pro League fly, similar to what the, the Chinese Super League did for, I think, about a season. But then obviously that went off the radar. You mentioned the World Cup bid. So the World Cup bid that was the 2030 World Cup bid between um, so it was Egypt, Greece and the Saudis, that Correct. has been withdrawn. So that was withdrawn on How's June, I didn't yeah, know that. June the 23rd. So uh, it was quite publicly withdrawn as well. A bit of a stroppy thing because they, the three nations had announced that they wouldn't submit the bid to host the 2030 World Cup because they felt, felt that the Confederation of African Football was supporting the joint Spain, Portugal and Morocco bid. And they, I think it was sort of a toys out of the pram for that. Yeah.
1: But... Is there a time limit? Sorry to interrupt. You. Is there is there a time limit on when those bids have to be submitted by? Because it would not surprise me, particularly of what they've done now, whether they made their own effort or maybe a joint effort with some other countries around there. Obviously, Qatar has only just what happened, but I I would that always seemed to me that the the jumping point for them to do this was to try and get the prestige build the the sport in that area so they could get the world cup and then get the ridiculous amount of money and sponsorship that goes with it so is there a ch- the question is, is is there a chance that they can resubmit that whether that's on their own or a joint bid or is that now done
0: there will be i know that the vote for the 2030 world cup is in September 2024 i don't know the ins and outs of how you have to you know, so you have to have that submitted by the start of 2024 so that it can consider all the options, which I'm assuming that there'll be something there, but I couldn't tell you for certain. Um, from what I was looking at as well in terms of Saudi Arabia's new confidence, and it, it seems to have come about in the last sort of five years, war and sanctions seem to have buoyed hydrocarbon prices to such a level that the country is now aflush with cash. PIF are estimated to be the biggest sovereign wealth fund in the world the £3 billion that they're putting into the, is it the PGA-LIV vehicle now. They're trying to buy F1, uh, reported $20 billion. Um, so you look at all that and then you look at the £305 million that they apparently paid for Newcastle, the controlling share in Newcastle, and you think, well, that's just a drop in the ocean. They don't see it as sports washing, of course, despite everyone else seeing it as, as potential sports washing. But I'm not being funny at all. And without going into too much detail on it, the Saudi state has quite a lot of things that they are happy to gloss over, pretend didn't exist. You look at the Saudi journalist Jamal Khashoggi in 2018, as an example, that all happened. And if you ask anyone in Saudi Arabia or anyone high up in Saudi Arabia... It's just brushed to one side as if it it wasn't a big thing.
1: I mean, have you ever watched a documentary on that? By the way, yeah, it's insane. It's an yeah. insane documentary, and it's the most obvious thing that's ever happened that just managed to get pushed away. But um, I mean, that that goes back to what we were saying earlier that they are making a big play for diversifying their interest from purely oil. You know, if you suddenly have obviously the golf that they they, they the tournament, whether we want to call it Liv, that they now own if they suddenly have this league and they bought F1, that's a pretty good stable of sports revenue that they can be generating when as oil starts to run out and, and, and to go forward. So it does seem to be a, a pretty concerted play by them, not just in football, but in the wider sporting context, that that's their plan.
0: I, I think they're, from what it looks like as well, more intertwined in this battle against you know UAE and Qatar and they want to assert their own status in in Middle East as the big uh, nation so yeah it's it's all a bit of a game I think and it will continue to be a game you mentioned the Chinese League a number of times in uh, the discussion that you just had there and the information that you provided is this going to last or is this going to end up exactly like the Chinese League did do you think?
1: I'm really split on this one and I I can't, I've got to be honest, I'm I'm bang 50-50 in the middle, that there's half of me that says it will go exactly the same way. It might last a little bit longer, would be my suspicion in the Chinese League because they don't seem to be looking at maybe making these more difficult rules to be brought in to make it less attractive like the 50% tax. They're going all out, so I could certainly see it lasting Do I see it becoming what they envisage it to be, which is a really big league with 100 of the world's best players in it? Not a chance.
0: I mean, they definitely have more financial clout in the sense that, from what you said, there isn't any percentage that needs to go to any outside factors when they make these transfers. They will throw as much money as they can at it, and they have seems to be unlimited funding. Um, At the moment, the only worry that I would have is if players or more players like Neves, like Jota, take the impetus to think, actually, I could join these, could get a lot of money. I'm not really bothered about winning anything anymore because I can play with some big names instead. That would then invoke my worry because as it is, if it's just your Benzema's at the end of the career, the Kante's at the end of the career, you know, you a little bit younger, of course, but closing to the last stage of his career. That doesn't provide any sort of issue for me. That's people going for a final pair day and good luck to them. As soon as Robin Nevers were confirmed and at the level of the deal, you know, a Portuguese international isn't going to disrupt everything, but it's going to make people think twice. My other worry, and this is why I think it might not last as long, as other people are predicting and, and guessing, is because it's a completely alien environment. It's not just an alien football environment. It's an alien environment in general. You go from Britain, for example, and you move, move over to there. You know, you've got players, managers have been asking to keep their families in a completely new and conservative Middle Eastern culture they you know non-married couples aren't allowed to live together one of the things that we've discussed before not that we're not married and we're a couple but one of the things that we discuss is let's say you went over with your partner you wouldn't be able to live together for a bit uh women have to obtain permission from a male guardian to marry it, it's all i don't want to say backwards because it's not my culture and i don't want to criticize other people's culture but i wouldn't be living in that situation and I don't think many people that I know would be happy to, or comfortable to live in that situation. So, it's totally Do you know what I think will happen though?
1: though. Do you on. know what I think will happen there which happens a lot in football generally uh, with these things is they leave the families at home so someone like Benzema probably pretty well settled in Spain wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he doesn't leave uh, his family in Spain his kids are probably in school, he goes over there, there's less games, it's a shorter season, he's on fucking a billion pounds a week What's to stop him at the after after the game at the weekend getting a private plane back to Spain for a couple of days before he goes back for training? So I, I, I actually, see could, that. I, I, I could think... see people leaving their families at home and doing this, particularly when it's a shorter term deal. So if it's a one or two year deal; it's not that long to last. If you sign in a five year deal, someone like a Neves, then maybe there's more inclination to move your whole family out there.
0: Someone gives you a, a significant amount of money. Admittedly, it is a significant amount of money, and it's have money that we will never unfortunately, until I break out as a footballing superstar in the latter stages of my life, ever earn, would you be able to just give up
1: your family and friends for two years to earn it? A hundred and (laughs) fucking 10% Do you know me at all? Like, if someone said to me now, go move to Dubai and earn... I know someone that did this in um, my missus' family. Um, Go and earn 150 grand a year in Saudi Arabia, managing a factory uh for two years and come back tax-free fucking sign me up mate i will be there in a heartbeat
0: okay and then on final of that because we're talking about it is it going to become more of an attraction to players uh obviously we've discussed the fame and fortune aspect of it at this point in time we've said it looks like the majority of people are going for a final payday other than those couple of exceptions are people going to be more inclined to join or is it going to remain the same
1: I think there's a few different factors here that you have to break down. One of the interesting factors for me, and I'm going to draw a parallel here to a completely wank sport of rugby union, which you might bear with me, uh, is obviously in, unless this has changed, rugby union used to be if you moved abroad from England, so you went to play in France when they were offering loads of money, you couldn't get in the national team. Now, I don't necessarily think that national teams would look at that in the same way. But you've got to ask yourself, would you still be picking players that are playing at a considerably lower level than people in the top five leagues? So one thing I would be interested to know is, you know, there's certain smaller countries that have got only two or three good players. Someone like Amendi, he's always going to be Senegal's keeper. Do you know what I mean? That that's not going to change some more of those players that we we we've talked about. You've got to wonder, would you know, Neves is a good example, playing at that level of reduced quality that he is compared to the Premier League? Is the Portugal Portuguese manager going to suddenly be a bit like, hang on here? I could there's Renato Sanchez, there's you know, all uh, Paulinho at Fulham. Is there a lot more players that are getting more? Um, experience and playing at a higher level, which means they're going to probably produce at a higher level for the the national team. So that's an interesting point for me, that will these players that have gone still be picked by their national teams?
0: It is a very good point. But then when you've got players such as Calvin Phillips, we've talked about him a lot, made these moves, big moves in England, moved from Leeds to Man City, he's done nothing, to be frank, all season. At the end of it, he's still getting picked by Gareth Southgate for his national team. He's even getting a documentary made about him. So there are outliers and there are exceptions. Um, I think but that's that a
1: isn't... weird one, though, isn't it? I mean, let's be fair. That seems absolutely crazy given his very, very minimal contribution to what he's done. That that seems bizarre to me. But you're right; he is still getting picked. And the weird thing on that is, it's not like England are short of players that are playing regularly. And that should, in my opinion, be considerably above Phillips in the pecking order. So uh, I see your point, and it's a good example to, to counter my point of well, he's hardly playing, but he's still getting in in, in the squad. Um, but that that that's a, a big point for me. Is what what? what and it, it will take time to see how that pans out. I think if it turns out that players are still getting picked for their national teams, irrelevant of this, and and, and managers aren't that bothered. I could certainly see it becoming a more of an attraction and more people going over the next couple of years. I think if managers took a, a tougher stance and were a bit like, look, you've gone over there for a payday, you're playing against fucking a very small t- level of team, the quality's poor, sorry, that's not good enough to get into the national team. I think that might give players of a certain age um, some doubts. A deterrent, yeah.
0: I think it is literally as simple for me as players want to win the top competitions and the top competitions are only in Europe.
1: Well, I mean, is is anyone going to be raving if they win the Saudi Arabian League? And you'd guess, again, I know they have, I forget what it's called over there, is it the Asian Champions League? They have an equivalent of the Champions League. Uh, Most of the teams that are buying these players are suddenly going to fly in as favorites they're going to be far better than the Japanese teams the the South Korean teams that they're they're up against does anyone give a fuck about winning the the Asian Champions League does, is is someone going to be sat there with a big picture of a medal round does does anyone care about that
0: no i could could you tell me who won the Asian Champions League next season
1: no and i love football. there you
0: go yeah there you go um so yeah it, it'll definitely be interesting i think that It's one to keep your eye on over the next few years because they are clearly trying to take over in a sporting sense and they want to try and propel everything that they're involved with to the stratosphere and beyond. But I personally don't think it will get anywhere near as big as they would hope because of that reason. Unless you can incorporate a brand new tournament, maybe start the Super League conversations back up and that might be one of the other things just to keep your eye on a little bit. But until that happens... People want to win the Champions League. People want to win the Premier League. People want to win the Bundesliga, and people want to win La Liga. And Syria, they don't want to win the. Sa- you don't grow up, do you? Do you, as a young kid, and think, "Canal, okay, I really want to win the Saudi Pro League."
1: But just to argue against you, that that Super League is never ever happening, mate. Not a chance. Look, look at the blowback. It started on a Friday, and it was done by Monday, if I remember rightly. Like, there's no way in the world that will ever happen. I would bet my mortgage there will never be a European Super League. They've got You're only the paying Champions your mortgage League on it reason.
0: because it's about to go up by tenfold. So.
1: Well, yeah, I've got not much to lose, have I, I suppose. <laughs> but but, you know I mean? but that, that, for me, that is, that's again, we could go off on a tangent here, completely different discussion. That will never happen. I mean, look at that outrage in England alone, uh, let alone, I don't know how I, I think it landed pretty much as badly in a lot of the other countries as well. Uh, you, see,
0: you see, it wasn't as badly received in the majority of other countries. In England, definitely. And in England, clearly, it didn't go well. But I can see a Super League which would involve your Madrid, your Barca, your Inter, you know, AC, potentially Bayern. I, I, I wouldn't be shocked.
1: See, the, the the only thing part I suppose to argue against myself that would make me think that there's a possibility of that would be the other countries so, like, let's say Germany, for example, if you're a German team and they suddenly said, right, we're taking Bayern, Dortmund out and putting them in the Super League, if you were any of those other teams, you'd be like, fucking jackpot. We've now got a chance to win the league. Take the two best teams out. Obviously, the Premier League, where a lot of that came from, is because it is so competitive, it was slightly different. Same as Spain. You know, most of the Spanish teams, if you took Barca and Real out, they'd be celebrating and thinking, we've got a chance to win the league here. So I, I, I can kind of see your point, but I, I, I certainly don't ever see that coming to fruition.
0: Well, we hope that this one has been informative for you all, and it will certainly be interesting to see how the rest of the transfer window develops, whether Newcastle starts smashing money on everyone. They're certainly the team to watch, I think, on top of the, the Saudi Pro League. But we'll speak to you next week in our usual episode.